Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It's time for another episode of Three Guys Before the Game. And this is the Chris Leonard Visits episode, number 196. And it's brought to us by Comax Business Systems, your full-service Konica Minolta dealer. You can go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. And by Burdett Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. You can visit them at BurdettCamping.com. And these folks are unbelievable. I mean, they've jumped on as a sponsor. They hit us with a special, a special three guys special when they first became a sponsor. Right. Today we debut another unbelievable special. And I viewed the video of the vehicle that's now available. We're talking about savings that's just ginormous. You can save over $23,000. We're talking about a $24,000 savings on their latest deal. I'm in. And it involves Alabama place kickers. That's all I'm going to give you. That's all I'm going to give you right now. Well, I didn't. I saw the first part coming. I didn't see the yeah, last no, part that coming. that was out of the blue. Yeah. All right. So also today on the program, your calls, your texts. We'll get into those. News uh, developing uh, overnight. Uh, Oscar Shibway has at least said that he's going to put his name into the NBA draft. Actually, it's a two-part process. The first thing you do is say, hey, I'm interested, and you're going to get an evaluation back from NBA people after about 10 days. Then once you take a look at what they're evaluating you and telling you what they think is going to happen, then you formally put your name in for the NBA draft. We'll get into that coming up. But please, first off, let's welcome our very special guest on this 196th episode, one of the greatest shooters in Mountaineer basketball history, Chris Leonard joins us. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing okay, Tony. Uh, good afternoon. This is uh, yeah, surreal times we're living in right now. I know they are. They really are. And I think before we even talk hoop, we need to talk about what you do and what you're doing and how it all involves uh, the virus. So give folks an update as to where you are and what you're doing. Sure. I've been in Fairfax County working for about 20 years now. Uh, I'm the director of the Department of Neighborhood and Community Services for the for the locality. Fairfax County, people probably are aware of it. We have a large uh, contingent of Mountaineer alums that, that end up working in Fairfax. Uh, but the county is about 1.15 million uh, folks outside of Washington, D.C. And uh, what I do generally, uh, our services are varied, but we do a, a number of uh, recreation, education-based programs for folks, uh, but also Things that are on the social services end, uh, like uh, emergency services for food, uh, financial assistance, rent assistance, utilities, etc., um, uh, along with a variety of uh, after-school programs, um, both before and after school in the schools in Fairfax. So there's a number of things that we do, uh, but four weeks ago we basically shifted all operations to uh, emergency services need. Uh, we've got staff that are... Uh, that are filling in uh, the Meals on Wheels program, which is run out of another department. Uh, the volunteer base kind of uh, understandably dried up, and uh, but those needs still exist. So we've shifted staff into uh, kind of a mass uh, meal distribution effort, as well as being able to answer a number of, of calls for uh, any number of assistance. And we're seeing calls from folks that just normally do not have to call for emergency needs. Um, 
Uh, Fairfax County is a very wealthy county, but uh, this virus knows no um, no uh, socioeconomic status. They, it attacks everyone, and obviously with everything shut down, um, there's a lot of people going without pay and, and have a lot of needs. So uh, we've been really busy the last four weeks as we've shifted our operations into, into those efforts. Pretty much 24-7, right? Nonstop. Everything's, every day's a new day. Every day's a new day, um, and every day brings a brand-new decision that normally uh, we may take weeks to get feedback on. Uh, decisions are being made hourly on uh, really big items. Um, uh, again, we're well-resourced in Fairfax, but uh, this is uh, when you shut down the economy, it impacts everybody, including local government, ability to provide services. Uh, how are you guys doing as far as testing and infection in the county? We're like everyone else. Um, the uh, the t- testing is hard to come by, uh, so we're not doing as much testing as I'm sure we'd want to, to be doing. But uh, um, right now, um, I, I would say we're on the kind of the, the bottom edge of the, the slope up. Um, and I've seen, we've all seen models and projections at the D.C. metro area, which is what we're part of. Um, Northern Virginia, it's long been a joke that uh, there's the state of the Virginia and then there's the state of Northern Virginia uh, that is part of the metropolitan area. And uh, I guess the next projections for the for the hot spots or the breakouts uh, would, would be Philadelphia and in the D.C. metro area, which obviously includes us. So we're holding on trying to be prepared uh right now uh we're, we're able to keep up but you know again as you said it's uh, every day is a new day yeah absolutely all right uh, we'll take your mind off of the uh the the job at hand right now let's talk a little hoops how about that oh please anything for a distraction all right i'm going to give it to you and uh, the first shocking thing i look at as i look at your career numbers is i mean i don't want to say amazing anything. Uh, well he was but i, I don't want to say anything but it's damn near 30 years ago now I mean, it's almost 30 years ago. Last year here was 92, and I'll always remember that because my oldest son, Michael, was born in 1991, and I remember you sending flowers. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I absolutely remember that. I was going to bring that up if you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> he sent flowers when Michael was born, and Michael's 29 years really? old. Yeah, he was playing. Unbelievable career, dude, and here's why. Um, you You ended up with 1,235 points, but you only scored 42 points in your freshman year, and you hit exactly 203-point shots. You only made five your first year, which means you made 195 in your last three seasons, which means you averaged 65 threes in your last three years, and you went out and made 101 in your senior year. Now, that's got to make you feel younger again, doesn't it? Definitely does. Definitely does. I, I give a lot of credit to Coach Catlett for opening up the offense. Uh, we were still, back then in the early 90s, were on uh, you know Rick Pitino and obviously took uh, Providence to the Final Four uh, using the three. A lot of people were just starting to uh, weaponize the three-pointer um, and uh, understand the the all of the true field goal percentage and all that stuff that is – so easy to find now. People were just figuring that out back in the early '90s of, of uh, what what the value of a good three point shooter, and if you could get somebody that could shoot 40 percent or above, that's a huge weapon for any team. 
And uh, so Coach Catlett opened up and basically gave me the green light to get down uh, plenty of times that senior year. Three-on-one, he had no problem with me running to the running to the three-point line and uh, and shooting it up there. So uh, so I give a lot of credit to him. But uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun and uh, that was a lot of a lot of shots. I got a, one good story about how I got to 200. The um, uh, when we were playing Missouri in the first round of the tournament, my senior year, we were clearly going to lose. Missouri had. Uh, had emptied the bench, and they had a guy that was guarding me that was just fresh in, and he came in, and it was about 20 seconds left, and I knew that I needed one more for 200. And I told the guy, I said, hey, I got, I need one more for 200. There's going to be a guy coming up to set a back screen for you. Just get caught on the screen. And, and you don't have the tape. I do. Um, and you can clearly see where he just got caught on the screen, stopped, I was able to run out there, catch the inbounds pass on an inbounds play, and and make the two hundred three. So the two hundred was like the uh, Brett Favre, uh, the Michael Strahan sack record. It was kind of given, kind of earned. You should you should have sent him flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never. Except you still had to hit the shot though, Chris. Don't compare it to Favre laying down there because you still had to go. That's fine if you get a wide open three. You still had to drain the thing. That's true. That's true. And I don't want to sound cocky, but any really good shooter, like not just the good shooter, the really good shooter will tell you if they're open, they, they need to knock that down. Those percentages that are, should, are built on the fact that it, we're, we're taking advantage of wide open threes that, that you just should not miss. I think about these numbers here. Let's embarrass Chris, but I mean, field goal percentage, career, 46.2%. Like that? Three point. 41.7, 42%. Free throws, 83% career. I mean, yeah. those those have to be some of the best shooting numbers ever. Oh, yeah, they are. Well, 42% from three is. It still stands as the number. It still, still stands number one. Chris, speaking of those numbers, I, I find this fascinating to go through because you, you mentioned there that the three-pointer was just starting to be weaponized. You hadn't been playing with the three very long. That came along, if I'm if my memory's right, you're about the same age as me, this, the end of your high school career is when that, that came in. So I'm looking at your attempts here. So you're number one all-time in three-point field goal percentage, but you only had 480 attempts Compared to, for example, Pitsnoggle had 615. Alex Ruoff had 695. Do you ever sit back and, and, and see the way the game is being played today, especially at the NBA level, and think, man, if you could have come along 30 years later, ever cross your mind? It definitely crosses my mind, but uh, with regards to the NBA, um, all those great stats, and thank you for, for reporting them out like that, all those great stats was not going to help me guard anybody <laughs> on the NBA level. So I got a little taste of the NBA after I graduated, and uh, I realized when they find a weakness uh, on defense, they don't, they don't go away from it. They just keep exploiting it. So the only option sometimes for a coach, no matter how good a shooter you are, is to bring you out of the game. Um, but I, I do appreciate... Um, you, you bringing up those stats. Obviously, it's uh, the three pointer now. It's basically either three or a dunk, mm-hmm. uh, and the fifteen foot pull up jumper is kind of, has kind of gone by the by the wayside. That's why I appreciate um, a lot of what I saw this year on uh, on the Mountaineer team. That some of those new guys um, uh, they've got a they've got a nice little pull up game from fifteen sixteen feet, and uh, that is kind of gone by the wayside as these uh, metrics have creeped into the game where a bad shot is anything that's not a three-pointer or a dunk and 
I don't think we need to go that far with regards to the three-pointer, but uh, um, uh, the mid-range game is, is an important part of the game. But, uh, yeah, that's just the evolution of where we are. Why and how did you become a very good shooter? What was the evolution of you being a marksman? Well, um, you know, that's a good question. I just, my, my dad was an athletic director in the high school at Loudoun Valley High School, now retired. Um, and he uh, was, um, we, we always had access to the gym, and we'd go out and shoot, and he was willing to rebound. My mom was a basketball coach at the high school. She rebounded. Uh, my sister's uh, older sister, she, she uh, played college basketball at Shepherd College over here in the Panhandle. So it was kind of in the blood. And uh, so you, you start that, and then you get taught the right, um, you get taught the right uh, mechanics, and you realize that shooting really is mechanics and leg power, and, and if you get the right mechanics and right repetition, even if you don't have the right me- mechanics, there's been some great shooters. Larry Bird's a great shooter, but his form was not great. But he did the same thing over and over and over again, and he, and he got that repetition in. So uh, I know Coach Huggins says all the time that, uh, you got to get in the gym. Uh, you cannot cheat the game of basketball, and that is particularly true of shooting the basketball. You cannot cheat the game. You will never be a great shooter if you don't put in the hours, and that's boring work. I, I've said this 30 years ago. That is that is the willingness to go in for an hour and a half and do nothing but shoot jump shots and work on your craft, and that's not fun. That's not 5-on-5 basketball, 1-on-1, 3-on-3. That is just straight you, the basketball, and the hoop, and somebody to rebound, and that that gets boring. But you got to put in the work to be able to get it uh, get it to the level that that we want to get to, where it's it's a certain level of excellence. So, as a Purcellville kid who went to Loudoun Valley, how did y'all do against Loudoun County against your rival? Oh, uh, we always beat Loudoun County. That uh, were, were they the country kids, or were you all the country kids? We were the country kids. You were the country we kids. <laughs> you beat you beat the ten, you beat the Lees, the Leesburg kids. Uh, we definitely beat the Leesburg kids. I now live in Leesburg, and uh, but my my kids do not go to Loudoun County. They we went to one of the new high schools over here. So, and and the all time leading three point shooter at Tuscarora is my oldest daughter. Um, so Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. All, all three of my kids could really shoot it. Uh, and and again, just passing on. I didn't push that on them. They wanted to. They wanted to do it. They love Mountaineer basketball. Uh, and then they really got the bug because all three of them uh, went to UVA, and they were all three out of Minneapolis for the Final Four uh, last year. So um, huge basketball fans, uh, and it's just it's just in the blood. It's a great game. You can play it your entire life. I don't play anymore, but I can still win a lot of money saying I can make I can make nine out of ten free throws. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going to get you know I was going to that's a, a question I was going to have for you a little bit later on. If you did step up to the line, now you shot eighty, eighty-three. You shot eighty-six percent from the line as a junior. You shot eighty-four percent from the line. You were a career eighty-three percent free throw shooter. If you did walk to the line right now, how many out of ten do you make? A minimum nine. Minimum nine. This is going to be. This is the one part that I allow myself because my dad drilled into me: don't talk about it, just do it. So don't be cocky. I I, I got to think, Tony. You knew me in college. I was not a cocky guy, no. but the one cocky part I do have about basketball still that I could fall out of bed at two in the morning, step to the line, and make nine out of ten. I love it. Does there, what do you think when you watch the NBA or, or college and guys just can't make free throws? I don't understand it. I just don't under, understand it. Uh, 
because that that is the game. I mean, a lot of people have, have, uh, that that are West Virginia fans that I'll that I'll come across over here in the area. Uh, there's been a number of them that would say, you know what, my my kid or or me, <laughs> they they would say that they were in middle school when I was in, at West Virginia and. They would always say, "I only took one dribble at the foul line because you only took one dribble." <laughs> that's and neat. I, and, and I said, "That's what these guys that take forever to shoot the free throw. Do you really think that they're emulating that rhythm <laughs> every time in practice? No, nobody's got time for that. So, you know, if you want to shoot a hundred free throws every day, you know, take one dribble, look at the rim, and shoot it." <laughs> All right, so what what did you do then? Go back, take us back. What was your free throw shooting routine in the off season to practice and? What did you instill in your kids? How did you tell them, hey, go practice the free throw line? Yeah, they, they all did the one dribble. Um, free throw shooting is, is about a couple things. Number one, I'm a big proponent of if you're right-handed, put your right hand, your, put your right foot on the dot. Uh, you know, they put the nail where they uh, line up the basket um, for uh, whenever they do any basketball construction. So every court has a nail that you can look down, and that's the direct center of the rim. So put your right foot if you're right-handed, left foot if you're left-handed, um, and just go down, set, get the rim in your in your uh, in your in your eye line, set, and then shoot. So I just take one dribble, bend, set, and shoot. Um, these guys that that go, if you see shooters that drop that when they, when they start to shoot, they drop down to bend and go up all in one motion like it's a jump shot. There's a reason why those are hard shots. Is because the rim's actually moving. Obviously, rim's stationary, but your eye line is moving the rim, so that makes it a more difficult shot. So that's why I've told everybody that, that I've worked with, stop and go straight up through, and then obviously finish high, and, and everybody, everybody's everybody been taught those, those um, uh, uh, mechanics of how to finish high and hold your form, etc. But I am a big proponent of how you address the shot and go up, um, and uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I won't go through. I watch every West Virginia game. So some of those guys, I can see they're changing their, their form from game to game. And they're just never going to. Now, obviously, a lot of times those, those are the guys that struggle the most. Right. So they're searching for something. But, uh, you know, we got one guy that, you know, will make 10 out of 11 and look good doing it. And then the next game, he'll go 2 out of 11 because he's, he's – slightly altered his form and i'm sure the coaches are beside themselves when they watch the film because um, you can't you can't go out during the game and say hey make sure you're doing what you're doing in practice so great points so you are available as an independent contractor to Bring come him in. in get him huh? in here yes. yeah I, and you know what you don't have to pay me if it's a if it's a mountaineer okay good. fine <laughs> i think we can work a deal based on the situation that's going on right now i think that's a deal that's that that's definitely a deal <laughs> You said something when you first started about Coach Catlett and how he opened things up as the three-point shot was coming really into the game of basketball. And that did make me think because they did some really creative things for you to get you open. Uh, A lot of double screens that you guys worked magically. That was so important, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll I'll give you one um, that I think Coach Haswell back in the day got from uh, Bobby Knight using it for Steve Alford where I would actually run off three screens so they I would just pop out to the left side and Basie or Boyd would throw me the ball and uh, catch square up move the defense 
throw it back, and then I would run off of three separate um, uh, single screens. And if the first one didn't get you, the second and third one did. And they never guarded that, and that would end up with a three-pointer on the other side of the, of the court. And uh, there were just a lot of those types of things that uh, Coach Aswell and Coach Catlett sat and designed um, that were basically designed to try to get me a give me a good look, um, either off of inbounds pass. Obviously, Coach Catlett was a master at inbounds plays, and Coach Huggins is awesome as well. But uh, I got a lot of looks off of inbounds plays yeah. because of creative things done to try to try to get those screens. All right, Chris. So there's the there's the Coach Cat X and O's, which you're exactly right. Off the inbound, he was phenomenal. Give us your best, most vivid cat memory from practice, from a game, anything. Your most vivid cat memory. When you guys get together as a group and you talk, what do you all sit back and giggle and laugh about now? Well, you guys know Catfish McNeely. It's the athletic director at Fairmont. Now he's executive vice president or whatever his title is (laughs) at Fairmont State. Right. You guys know him? Yep. Yep, very well. So he and I were really close. And one time early in the year, it was I know it was early because it was the day before they were going to give us a day off to go home for Thanksgiving, and we had to be right back. So Coach Catlett is standing up in the stands while the bigs do uh, some defensive drills on one end and the guards do it on the other end. So I don't know who was, who was doing, the, doing the drills, but uh, Tim and I were sitting there, and we looked back at the bigs, and we were laughing, and I was joking around, and I said, what? Are, and I don't know, I was probably making fun of Bodkin or somebody on the other end of the road cap of something they're doing on the other end. Clearly wasn't paying attention to the drill that was being done on my end, the guard end. Can I- lost him. Oh, no, we didn't, we, didn't lose, we didn't lose him right there, did we? We lost We didn't him. lose him right there. Why did we lose him? That, you know, that happens uh- Every now and then, he was right, right. He the, was right there. He was using a hard phone. We'll call line him back. Too. I'll give you that. While you get him back, I'll give you this. I was just doing a Google. All right, Brad. How about this? This is the Washington Post, March twelfth, nineteen eighty-eight. Chris Leonard scored sixteen of his game high twenty-eight points in the fourth quarter as Loudon Valley rallied to beat Gloucester of Newport News sixty-four fifty-eight tonight in the Virginia AA state semifinal boys basketball game at University Hall. And see, I think what year eighty-eight. 88. He averaged 27, uh, averaged 27 points a game. He had a bad first start to the game. He said, Coach just told me to keep shooting. So that would have been his senior year. So he did have the three. 89 was his senior year. That's right when, see, that's always interesting when you, when when you transition from no three into the three point Service. area. Mm-hmm. That's such a different type of, of game. And for a guy like him, that's why I asked him what I did. I, I'm always fascinated by that. As, as, as you well know, somebody, I like to shoot the three you, a lot. You there, like to I shoot like the to three. Fire it. You I would love, love to play in today's day and age where there's oh no mid-range. Gosh. There's no mid-range. Just you stand just up shoot. there and shoot. You know, Leonard, remembering back, and it's I'm glad you got him on the show today because he's one of those guys, I don't know, you don't you don't always think about, and then you, you go back and you look at the numbers and you talk to him today and you remember, man, he was a really good shooter. You just absolutely, just absolutely could nail it. All right, here we go. And, you guys ready? They lost their power. Now I'm calling the cell. Oh, dude. Sorry, man. I mean, you were at the cusp of the <laughs> greatest <laughs> the punch of the whole story. So you guys lost your power there, huh? Lost power. We got a little wind over here today. I got you. Okay, okay so, so go ahead. So finish it. So you're jacking around. You're not looking down. Into, and so what happens? So Catlin blows the wood. Now remember now, this is the day before we're supposed to leave uh, to, to, to get a 24-hour day to go home and have Thanksgiving dinner and then be back that night. So, uh, Khaled blows the whistle, 
And he goes, Leonard, what did you just say to Catfish? And I said, I said, sir? He said, what did you just say to Catfish? I said, I'm, I'm paying attention to the drill. He said, no, you're not. Now, he's not using, he's using colorful language, but I'll, I'll clean it up. He said, uh, no, you're not. And he said, you are the worst effing defender in the entire Atlantic 10. If there's anybody that should be paying attention to our defensive drills, it's you. And then he said, run it back. And then, so we went through the rest of the practice. And then before we left, he'd always say, okay, two guys split up. Go to your, go to your hoops. And as soon as each of you have made five in a row, you're done. He said, Leonard, you're with Chris Brooks. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, there were guys that showered in the locker room, got out, and were leaving, and I was still rebounding for Chris. <laughs> I know a- Matt Roadcap was in Cumberland before I left. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude! That is absolutely awesome. Okay, so that we need. I'm, so I'm glad we hooked. That's back a great up. one. Now listen, um, I know you got to run because you literally have to do your job. Um, we can't thank you enough. Th- this was great. I mean, this was oh, yeah. super stuff. And uh, congratulations on your kids playing, and we congratulate you on this career. And uh, we wish you guys the very, very best and look forward to seeing you here once, uh, once the world gets back to normal. Yes, sir. You guys uh, take care. Stay healthy. This is this was good for my mental health. I really appreciate it. Uh, this came right at the right time, Tony. I really appreciate it. And all the best to you and the family. Make sure you tell them I said hey. Got a deal. Thanks, brother. See you, man. All right, man. All right, See take care. There he is. Chris Leonard. You don't talk about good. How about this? You talk about how important free throw shooting is. As we said, he scored 1,235 career points. 227 came from the foul line. Man. So yeah. if he's a bad foul shooter, if he's a 65% foul shooter, guess what? He never sees a thousand points, right? Um, unbelievable stuff. And he held the record at WVU for most three pointers made in a career for over a decade. I think it was eleven years uh, before his mark was. And I, those were a couple stories I had never heard. How about telling the dude from Missouri, dude? I love that one. I'm gonna get your back. I'm gonna get your back screen here. Just, just chill out. I just need to hit one for two hundred, and then stuck it. You know what? What would <laughs> be really super awesome? You know me. Find the find tape, that guy. Find the oh. kid. Yeah, find the kid, and then go back and, and see if he remembers it, and see if you remember the story. Because obviously, you, that's a walk on. That kid from Missouri is going to be. He said he cleaned the bench. Everyone cleaned the bench. Sure. So he's out there as a walk on, and he said, yeah, "Take one for the team here." So not only would that be fun, then the question to that particular Missouri player is, how often has he told that story over the years? Because that's a great one. That doesn't happen very it. often. If we just start talking basketball stories, you say, "Hey guys, let me give you one of these." When I was in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Had a guy tell me what was coming. But actually, I needed one. Can you imagine telling that story later? That's a great story for the Missouri guy. Is 92. It, what, 92. 92. Let me do so here's, here. so here's the deal on that game, okay? Just off the top of my head, that was, uh, that was Greensboro. Guess what, what happened in that game, Senator? What? The lights went out. Oh, yeah. And there was a delay. Isn't it wild how sometimes that does happen? And of all places, the NCAA tournament. But the lights went out and had a delay. And as a result of that, uh, it was a weird game, and West Virginia was never able to get going. And for some reason, I want to say Anthony Peeler. Right? I'm just going to give it to you. 25 Anthony. for Peeler. Now, did he wear a Band-Aid? Oh, he, was he the Band-Aid guy? I think he every, was. He the, changed it every game. It went yeah, somewhere else. Was yeah, he the dude that did that? I believe that was him. I believe that was Anthony Peeler. I said earlier, you can look that Chris, up. Chris had 25 in that game. 
Did he? Mm-hmm. In the NCAA game? Six threes. You found that already? Yeah, well, I'm not watching the film. I'm looking at the box of that. But Chris had 25, including six threes in that game. Maybe we can figure out from the box score. Really had five, but the walk, I love have six, <laughs> but that's, that's a great story. Um, here's the dealio. I mentioned earlier, we've got voicemail, get some good voicemail, some concerned people out there we need to help them with. Okay. Got a lot of angst. Happy to help. Got a lot of angst out there. And your text questions as well. But our good best friends, our new best good friends from Burdett Camping Center in Winfield have a new three guys special. Now, let me explain this to you. You with me? It's a 2020 Van Lee Beacon by Tiffin. Now, this is a model number 42 RDB fifth wheel. So that might not mean anything to the normal person, but if you're in this world of looking at a potential RV and a fifth wheel, it's the model 42 RDB from Van Lee. And so here's the, it's, it's by Tiffin. So, so you say, wait a second, what do you, what, Alabama, what? Now think, now if you're a sports fan, okay, the company Tiffin Motorhomes, the Van and Lee Tiffin, which makes Van Lee, right? Van and Lee Tiffin. They're um, the son and the grandson of Bob Tiffin. Bob Tiffin was a uh, Van Tiffin kicked for Alabama, place kicker, 83 through 86. Then I remember Lee Tiffin. He kicked for the Crimson Tide 06 through 09. So that's a widely known name. Well, this is the family that makes these. This thing is unbelievable. I received a video, Hoppy. Mm-hmm. A six-minute inside, outside, upside down of this unbelievable RV. Now, here's the deal. You would look so sweet in this thing in the blue lot, tailgating this coming fall. Now, the retail price on this thing. Now, when I tell you this thing is out was over the top loaded, I mean, TVs just pop up. They, I mean, it's gorgeous, right? Retail on it is $141.4. Three guys, listeners, get it ready at one seventeen two sixty three. A savings of twenty four thousand dollars. Where do you go to check it out? It's Burdett Camping Center. Visit them online at burdettcamping.com. Burdettcamping.com. It's also got an outside TV. So Van Lee really is the best in the business. Unbelievable quality customer service in the RV industry. Check it out. Made in Burnsville, Mississippi, and talking to the folks uh, from from uh, Burdett, they said when we went to Burnsville to check out the factory, it felt like we were in West Virginia. So that is our new three guys special. So you say that if you're talking to them, call them up on the phone. If you look at you call say three guys special. Here's what I, I want. want three guys special because at some point all of this is going to clear and people are going to get back out and they're going to be RVing and they're going to be tailgating and it's going to be our world back to normal. So check it out. Super duper. $24,000 savings. Check it out. Van Tiffin, 135 of 135 on extra points in his career. That works. That's good stat. Hey, guys, my money is on either Jed Frost or Chris Smith with Missouri because each played one minute. Perfect. In that game. Exactly. And they're both guards. Now, there were three other guys who played one minute, but they were like 6'7", 6'9". Good yeah, investigative research. So we've narrowed it down to Jed Frost and Chris Smith. I love it. I, I think tentatively, if we're researching it. Sure. Absolutely right. I should, if I had no, time, I'd well get on it. We can do that. We can, can, can you get somebody on that? Yeah. I mean, we know Mike Kelly, the play-by-play guy at uh, Missouri. He's terrific. And I could probably say, Mike, I need, need some help here. <laughs> what if you call him up? What if you get him? And he says, I don't remember that. <laughs> it never happened. What are you talking about? What, no, I'm, I, I, but I, you I, can narrow it further. You go just find the game. 
yeah. right? And see the yeah. moment, yeah. And check the number, and then you go. I go. just had a horrible thought. What? I, c- I shouldn't even say this. But what Which if you, means you're what, about to. What if you find the kid? What if yeah. you what if you find the kid? What was the final score of the game? Oh, 80-some, 70-some. 89-78, Missouri. Okay. Uh, what if you find the kid and he says, yeah, I let him shoot it. I had us. It was 13. The line was plus 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I shouldn't have said uh, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good, though. Uh, oh, dear. You guys, you guys ready for some uh, – you ready for some voice uh, some voice messages? Yes. Got concerned. There's some guys that are out there that are concerned. We need to help them uh, because they're concerned. And that's what we're here for. Uh, rhyming Ryan is – Worried. Here's why. Hey guys, it's Ron and Ryan. Coronavirus sucks, and I'm down in the dumps. So my question today uh, is about something at our class on the athletic that was talking about possible changes for the football season. And so a couple of the ideas that were pitched were one, obviously, no season. Um, two would be a uh, season that just had no fans at the at the games, and then the third was actually like a shortened season or, or pushing the season back to a, a late date. And so my question for you guys, especially because I know that Brad was a former administrator, um, if one of those three scenarios happens, how does that look for the athletic department from a budget standpoint? Um, are all the other non-revenue sports like wrestling or um, women's soccer, other like rifle teams that have had like a lot of success in the past, are they at risk for getting cut? Um, and how are other athletic departments um, or specifically WU handling this or prepping to handle this? I'm just really worried. Uh, you know, I'm worried that the football season is going to get canceled or look totally different, and that concerns me. But I'm, I think I'm more concerned about all these other sports at WU that also bring a lot of pride to the state, to the school, um, getting canceled or, or having their budget severely slashed. So just enough you guys could talk about that. Uh, have a good day. Hope you guys are staying safe and watching your Thank you, Ryan. He's concerned. I mean, here's a guy that made his mark on this program by sending in rhymes. Now he's not even rhyming. I mean, now he's just like despondent. He's despondent. I mean, despondent. Go ahead. You were the administrator. You can go first. Well, I I mean, it's a concern financially, and you're seeing that across the country, not just at West Virginia. When we had Shane on Sportsline here recently, what was the word he used? Catastrophic. Potentially. Potentially catastrophic if there's no football season. So I think that's why you're seeing so many departments and athletic directors starting to talk about the need to get football in, even if that's pushed back, even if that is some out-of-the-box scenario that you have to push the thing to February, they're going to explore all options because it is so essential to so many of these athletic departments to have football from a revenue standpoint. You've already seen Old Dominion, which I realize is in a different financial class than West Virginia. They dropped wrestling here the other day in part because of concerns about finances. You saw Jamie Pollard at Iowa State lead a charge in getting his coaches and top administrators to cut 10% of their salary for the fiscal year moving forward, not just right now, but for the next year. That'll save his department about $4 million. So I think it's fair to say that athletic directors and presidents are extremely concerned about the possibility of no football. And are things on the table like cutting sports? Not necessarily at West Virginia, but yeah, that's what people are going to have to start looking at is what do the finances look like and do you have to get rid of some sports if it doesn't happen? And they have to come up with scenarios. It's not as though you know what it's going to be, therefore you plan accordingly. You have to say, if it's this, then we'll do this. If it's this, we'll do this. If it's this, I mean, you have to come up with three or four scenarios because you don't know how it's going to play out. Well, that's right, Hoppy. And there's levels to this, right? So if you can get it up and going in the TV contracts and these games are on TV, then you get the TV money coming. That's the biggest part of it. Then you start to go, all right, what's next? 
Are we playing without fans, which is one level? Are we playing with fans, but certain percentage of those fans stay away because they're not comfortable being in that setting? Well, that will affect some of your ticket revenue. What about per seat contributions and donations? Those would come down as well. So it it seems inevitable that there's going to be some sort of loss of income or loss of revenue for departments. I think now you're just trying to manage what percentage or which bucket that is and how bad does it get? And you know, guys, talking with the health officials and covering this story, we, we've talked a lot about the peak, which in West Virginia is supposed to be April 15th, April 17th, but then it's not like a switch flips and everything goes back to normal. Then you start a progression the other way, but it could pop up again. If, if you try to come back too quickly, uh, there could be hot spots that develop and you could have a spike, which, which is a real threat. So how do you manage the other side of the curve from a health perspective? Very well said, and that's what Clay Marsh said on TalkLine today. He said, again, keep this in mind, he's still saying it's the first quarter. Yeah. So even though people are starting to hear that West Virginia may reach its peak next week, in the views of the folks that are the most expert in this world, they're saying, hey, this is still the first quarter. Do not think this thing is over with. Can I give you – can I give our man – what's his name that did the Ryan. the question? Ryan. Ryan. Rhyming Ryan. Rhyming Ryan. Help him feel a little better is that and you've had him on your uh periodic sports talk show and i had him on my public we're affairs on every, we're on every we're on six days a week are you yeah. you're <laughs> hell anyway i had coach neil brown on this morning and as you guys have reported name dropper i know i absolutely because i've it's only the second time i've had him on the show I was, certainly i'm going to drop his name oh, okay and those guys are buttoned up those guys pivoted there you, you just get the impression they know what they're doing here's how they're going to do it because that's kind of guy he is and i think i've said this before for the condition that you have you have the right guy and the right staff in charge so whenever they come back and they will come back i have the distinct impression that west virginia will have done as well as any team could do under those circumstances in preparation for the season yep i'm in agreement uh by the way next caller up why is that a name drop you drop names all the time excuse me people on your show I'm going to drop one later on for you. You're really going to like a lot. Okay, good. Um, we found a uh, a long-time listener to this program who had gone AWOL. Mm, okay. Resurfaced. Good. Yeah, resurfaced. Here we go. Ready? Do it. Hello, Tony, Brad, Hoppy. It's Ross. Um, I feel bad. I haven't been a very interactive listener the past couple of months, but I wanted to check in, see how everyone's doing Hope everyone's family's well. My question is, when do you think a drop-dead date for a potential football season would be? We're going to run into a real issue here across the country if, you know, by mid-June, late June, getting into July, we aren't able to have summer practices, players aren't really able to uh, get in the weight room. Do you think that it would postpone the season. We would have a potentially just a conference schedule or uh, what are your thoughts on that? Once again, I uh, can't wait to hear your answer here. Love you guys. Have a good show. All right. There's Ross. He was going to graduate uh, this spring from the university of South Carolina. And I would imagine the commencement obviously isn't going to happen there. So 
Uh, thanks for checking in. Glad I mean, he's back, by the way. Glad Ross has reemerged. That's great. Well, obviously, he's probably him. spent the last couple of months in heavy academic work because fall semester, he basically took off. I mean, he was he was calling us, texting us, hanging around. Do you think he had some catch-up to do? Probably had a little work to yeah. do. So he's, he's back, and it's good to hear Good to hear that I'm sure his parents... Finally had to write, write the end-of-the-semester papers. Yeah, I'm sure his parents in Bridgeport may be a little happy that he's also gone to finally got his work done. So to answer your question, Ross, again, and the one thing I want to continue to say is that everything that is happening is so unprecedented that there is no logical plan at this moment. Every day changes based on what the the infection rate is and how that proceeds. And so I think this, I think athletic administrators are ready to do absolutely anything and think creatively out of the box as we may have never, ever anticipated in order to, number one, be safe and to still play a season. First, safe, then play a season. And as Brad said, and you've probably heard the trickles and the thoughts, that potentially, again, worst case scenario, the season is delayed all the way into the next year, and that means playing ball in winter, um, potentially a January, February type of a deal. It's possible. Why? You would say, well, wait a second. Why would they do that? Why don't you just scrap the entire season? First, if it's okay health-wise, if it's okay health-wise, this is why they have to play it. Only if it's health-wise, if you can get people together. Because we mentioned athletic department budgets. They are so dependent upon the television dollars. Really rough numbers. West Virginia, did Shane say 93 Million dollars? Overall budget? Overall. Yeah. 93. Television gives them approximately 36, 37 million of those dollars. If they don't play the games, then you're looking at a deficit, right, of 55, 60. I'm sorry. You're talking about a deficit in your budget of a massive number. And that's just not WVU. That's everyone. So they're going to do whatever they could possibly do creatively to figure out a way to play the games because they need to play the games because they need to get on television because they need the television dollars. And so that's an extreme situation right now. But I think as Hoppy said, everyone's dealing with potential possibilities and then they're going to go from there. So I don't think there's a date yet that they're going to say, hey, here's a lockdown date that we have to have. Well, because I would think too on the front end, if normally teams return first week of August, does that get pushed back? Like if you start to get through the health part of this and the health officials say, yeah, this looks like we're going to be okay by fall and campuses are going to reopen. I think that's a critical part of this. I think you have a, a tough sell if you're athletics bringing guys back on campus for sports if the university, for some reason, were to push back, it's available to start classes. So you've got a lot of moving parts here before you can get to the question of sports. Yeah, this is this is beyond what athletics wants to do because of the magnitude of it. Think about this. WVU just said no summer school. I mean, mm-hmm. they're having summer school, but online. So no students on campus. Also, this and that's w- through August 7th. That's right. That second right. session so, runs till. So you're already into the point at which guys would have already returned for football at that point. And also, you had 14 WVU students who now have been diagnosed with COVID-19 virus. So they had gone and come back. So that's almost like a little reminder. Uh-oh, if you bring people back who've been away right. at a variety of places, could you have a spike here? 
So there's, it's not just while administrators are figuring out options, it's not just their decision because no. of these other things. What do the universities decide to do? What do the health officials say? What if the health officials, the highest level, say, uh, say July 30th, uh, you know, we're, we got this, we're, we're doing well, but it's still, we still are encouraging social distancing. Well, that affects it. Sure. So, so there's just these other factors that take it beyond what administrators want to do. Yeah, this is far from athletic directors making the call or conference commissioners. This ultimately will come from the highest medical folks to make the call, right? So that's And that's the way that it should be. Mentioned earlier that Oscar Shibway is going to entertain the consideration of the National Basketball Association. We now head to a call in Kansas City. Hello! Kansas City. Hey, three guys. I love the show. This is Ben in Kansas City. Hello. Uh, my question for the day centers around the news with Big O putting his name into the NBA draft, test the waters. We've seen this in the past with SAG, JC, along with some others. The question for the day is what's the breaking point or, or the line where it's better to go to the draft or stay in a draft versus another season? In your mind, um, did SAGs make the best decision playing in the G League, you know, getting paid for that, or do you think it's better – uh, to only stay in the draft if you're a first-round lock. Just curious in your thoughts. Hope everyone's doing well. Thanks. Thank you. The answer to your question is this. Did Sags make the right call? What should Oscar be considering right now? The only way to know the answer is to get a legitimate, honest answer from Sagabal Kanate right now. Mm-hmm. If you were to say to him, are you comfortable and happy with the decision that you made? If he said, yeah, and he was honest and sincere about it, then it worked well. Ultimately, it comes down to the person making the decision. Is it what you want to do? Is that what makes you happy? Now, we as independent folks can kind of sit back and say history would tell you that another year for Oscar would improve him as a player and thus improve his stock, which would thus improve the dollars and where he goes in the draft. But ultimately, it comes down to the person making the decision, is this the best move for you? And that's the question. That's a great question, and it's it's probably unanswerable. You answer that about as well as you can answer that because, yeah, it's all individual based on the person and their financial situation, their family situation. And remember, guys, you're grading this off a hypothetical what would happen if they come back. It's almost unanimous a player would benefit skill-wise from coming back for another year of college. That's almost not debatable, but that's also not the sole reason to return. And I think another factor to put on this is, Check in with Sags when his playing career is over. Check in with Devin Williams is another example of a guy that left early with eligibility left, didn't get drafted by the NBA, but's playing and making money. So I think you have to evaluate it too. Once their career ends, where did they get to? Speaking of benefit, let me give you three numbers. Okay, here's one number. Zero? It's one number. <laughs> oh, you want heavy graphics. That's how much That's how much he's making now. Mm-hmm. If If... You go into the NBA for 2019-2020, the season which has ended. Um, you would be making, with no years experience in the NBA, you would make minimum $898,000. You look at me funny, is that not right? Okay. $890,000. Okay, I'm with you. If you spend any time on an NBA's active roster at any point, but don't play you know, with the team, then the following year you would get one year's credit 
and the minimum salary is $1.45 million. So think about that. Think about that as a young guy who's now making this, and somebody says, you'll make $898,000. I think if, you're, if, you're dra- if you end up getting drafted, it's a no-brainer decision. That was, that was the right decision. Can't debate that. Uh, the question becomes if you're not going to be drafted, and that's where Oscar sits today, and that's part of the evaluation process. I talked to an NBA executive yesterday that has all season and continues to have Oscar as a potential second round at best selection. Now, again, that's just one team. He was careful to point out that Tony Heaton Hop, he said, you know what, though, it only takes one team. It's like buying a house, right? You only need one buyer for that house to get a sale. You only need one team to take you. If you're taken, especially in the first round, it's a no-brainer. I think the bigger question becomes if you get that report back and they say late second round or not drafted, do you still decide to make the move? You're talking about $35,000 a year. If you go to the G League, you will have some opportunities overseas. A two-way contract, though, now in the NBA, which guys get, right? A couple a year each team can give out. Minimum of 275. So the 35 doesn't sound all that enticing from the G League, but if you're one of those that has some potential and you lock up a two-way contract, suddenly you just jump to 275 as an annual deal. That's pretty significant dollars right there. From the text line, Las Vegas. Hello! Hey, three guys. Travis, born and raised in Poco, West Virginia. Best mascot in the world. The dots. Now living in Las Vegas. Ready oh. for this, boys? Wow. You ready for this? Yeah. I just wanted to say I started listening on episode 80, and you guys made my one-hour drive to the Raiders Stadium where I work much more enjoyable. I wanted to hold out until episode 200, but this past Friday, I was rushed to the hospital with blood clots on my lungs and have had to have three surgeries. Wow. Sunday morning, I was able to start at episode one, and I listened through all the way to episode 90. And I want to thank you guys for keeping me entertained throughout all of this. Nice to hear some familiar voices since I wasn't allowed any visitors. Wow. Hope he's doing well. Travis, so glad to hear that physically you're doing well. However, listening to all of these episodes, you may need some mental health training now. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, dude, why? You don't want to hurt yourself more. No, man. Hey, thank you so very, very much. That's awesome. That's I've never seen anything like that. One, one second before you move on there. So he said he drives. He works at the Las Vegas Raiders new stadium. Uh, yeah. Wonder if he's inside the stadium or was working on construction of that stadium. Travis, if you're listening to this one, write us back in. I'd like to know what you Can we get tickets? Probably a construction guy. Travis, let us know more. That'd be a game to go to, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd go to Vegas. (laughs) You want to go to Vegas? That's that's a win-win, isn't it? (laughs) When we go to that Oregon game on our way back, we'll cut it through Vegas. That's what we'll do. We'll just connect. That that should be... Nah, you guys wouldn't be any good in Vegas. Tony, you wouldn't. Brad, you might. I wouldn't do... What? What about Vegas? No, you you wouldn't be a good Vegas guy. Really? You'd like, look look at the lights a little bit, and you want to go back in the room. (laughs) on Sports Center, dude. Vegas, you can eat in Vegas. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, so that's I okay, like. I that. like that See a show. I like that. I like shows. Do you? Well, yeah, I do. Last time I was there, I saw Terry Fader. Who's Terry Fader? Big and uh, big ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. 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 You were in Las Vegas. Yeah. The entertainment capital of the world. Right. And you went to see Corky the Clown uh, <laughs> Van Trillick quest. He went like this. Like, hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, uh, Mr. Mumbles. 
Boy, Terry, it's really hot out here today. What are we going to do? I don't know. Can you get your hand out of my back? <laughs> hey, you Here's dummy. why. Hey. Here's why. Mountaineers were playing. Was anybody under 80 there? Yes. Uh, went with Jared Calhoun uh, and some staff guys. So here's what was happening. We were playing in Vegas. We just finished Team Meal. We just finished te- – listen, you got to follow me. Okay, I'm following we're, you. We're in the hotel. Just finished the Team Meal. And like right outside the ballroom, there's like – it's the theater. And they go like – I go like, well, what's, the, what's the thing? And they go like, Terry Federer. She's an ventriloquist. You talking about that? I said, well, hell, let's go over in here. So we walked across the hallway. We got tickets. We sat down and watched a show. Maybe Wayne Newton won around. I don't know. <laughs> that he just spread. He just proved my point. <laughs> We're in Las Vegas, right? What do you want to do tonight, guys? What's he say, Brad? Ventriloquist. But he, <laughs> al- he also proved your point by saying he wanted to go back to the room. You're right. I mean, it's just right across the hall. Right? He yeah, didn't take yeah. a lot of effort. Didn't, 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 want, didn't want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Text was. Hey, Madonna's playing. No, no, I got to. The ventriloquist is over here. When Bob Huggins, fi- the texter says, when Bob Huggins is finally led into the Hall of Fame, will three guys before the game have more episodes done than Huggins has wins? No. 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 Hell, we're coming up on 200 here. He'll he'll get in there. Ed, by uh, the way, Eddie Sutton getting in, I think, is a it pushes Hugs forward. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that certainly helps him. Helps him How many does Sutton have? Uh, a little bit over 800, I believe. Does he have a ring? Two Final Fours, no national championships. Yeah. Eddie Sutton has... Let me coach forever. He's 84. Mm-hmm. And not doing well physically. Uh, Chelsea in Pineville, Wyoming County. Oh! Love the show. Oscar's officially announced his eligibility. I'd like many others are saddened. Although I did notice at the end, he left the door open for his return. In your opinion... What has to happen or not happen during the NBA scout process for Oscar to return? 804 and 328 for Eddie Sutton. Just got over 800, huh? Yeah. Seven, Hugs, 71% winning. Hugs is heading toward 900. Yeah, yeah he's ahead of him. Um, so what has to happen, I think, as Brad said earlier, if, if it looks like he's not going to be drafted, uh, that would probably um, be, I think, a significant piece. All right, here we go. Chris from Morgantown texts. Thanks to all the pandemic routine changes, I got behind on my three guys listening and just caught up last night, and now I'm disturbed. I'm a solid Gen Xer, mid-40s, who hasn't really felt the unwanted advances of time. But that's changed. When you started doing Larry King greetings, I immediately got the (laughs) reference and snickered every time. However, after hearing you have to explain it to a texter, I immediately sprouted a bunch of gray hairs, put on black socks with brown sandals, and immediately felt the desire to buy a Buick. That's what happens. <laughs> Thanks for that. Love the show, and I hope to listen to it again someday if I ever figure out how to work this weird brick phone thingy my kids are using. <laughs> <laughs> That was a strong email. Oh, Who was that? that? Was. You sent that one? Chris and Morgan down. That's freaking awesome. Uh, that you know what happens, Tony? I, it hasn't happened to you yet, but you do have some of those older references, older than Brad, and I'm the oldest one here, is I find myself too often saying, well, I remember when, yeah. which is bad. That's bad. Texter says this, new one. Which has the biggest <laughs> laugh factor, 
Hoppy when you do the Larry King impression or the senator when you talk about a clown show. <laughs> he hasn't gotten back since the ventriloquist. He hasn't been back since then. Uh, Jared says, thank you for giving us a modicum of sanity during these times of uncertainty. I love you guys. Jared in Johnstown. Hello! Who was the name of the ventriloquist? What was his name? Terry Fader. Terry Fader. He was really good. Why do you remember that? Because well, it was a good show. Terry Fader shows. Here it is, man. Thank you. He's world-renowned. Really good. Was he like is a comedian? He? Was it funny? Oh, funny as hell. What do you think? He's going to go up there and be a ventriloquist with a serious? Then no. Never been to a ventriloquist. What's he going to do? Get up there and read the dictionary? He's attacking me about what a ventriloquist. I don't know what he does. You're the one that went to the show. One of the greatest in the world. In the world. Yeah. Winston. 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 Yeah, is it a Muppet? So thanks for having us. How long have you been doing the show? Uh, we've been doing the show here in, in Vegas for eight years. I spent a year at the Hilton, and yeah. now I've, uh, I've yeah. had a seven-year residency at the Mirage. And we've just That's where I was. That was the Mirage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where the team was. Yeah. Thanks, I appreciate that. Oh, you know what? He, he is very good. Well, yeah, he's good. His lips don't even move. No, he's very good. Did he drink a glass of water? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. I think he went underneath the water. Forrest in Morgantown text in. <laughs> Brad, Brad is just like, what is going on? <laughs> I like it. Forrest in Morgantown text. Since the world's now hyper-focused on social distancing and cleaning, how often does the germaphobic dean make sure to include I told you so references in his conversations? I don't think I've said that, but I've gone big. We've all gone big, on seriously, on, ster- on trying to wipe down our work areas. And, and doing it, I do before and after talk line. You do it before and after. You were not big before this, but you've become very big on it. Brad and I have always been big. You have come, you've come around. Okay, so here's the deal. Some way, somehow, I recently did I, I sent this to you, Hoppy. Did you ever listen to episode one? Uh, I doubt it. So we get on episode one of three guys, August of 2017. And. We don't know what we're doing. We never did a podcast. I don't even know how you start the thing, right? As opposed to now, which is... Yeah. (laughs) We're just talking about ventriloquists in Vegas. Come a long way. Go ahead. Solid point. So I... You didn't listen to this, Hoppy? He did. I did. I bust... I just bust you guys for using alcohol. Oh. And I I mean, everything I say has now come back, basically, to haunt us. Yeah. That's how it opened. By By the way, switching back to the ventriloquist... We do a different picture for each episode. <laughs> that Hoppy's got the picture. We're out. Don't need us. They already know it's us. Don't need us. Need that as the cover image. Can you look, Tony, and and give an approval? <laughs> that that totally will be our am. cover image for this. Yeah, I'm totally. See if you can get him. Fader. Yeah, he's busy. Does a show every night. Well, couple, that's true. Probably does two. Does a couple shows. Yeah. Did you see? The, I bet you saw the early show too, didn't you? No, I stayed once, just once. No, I mean, you saw the seven, not the nine, right? I know you did. Yeah, it was after dinner, whatever dinner was. I wasn't going <laughs> to. You're not going to do I that. I mean, why, are you, why, why do you make me like, I, dude? What? Uh, you know what? What? All right, you want to engage? I'll engage. Like, you want, <laughs> like, like you, like you want to freaking talk about, like, me going to my room? I mean, you Howard Hughes, <laughs> man in a bubble, antisocial, you're telling me? I mean, are you kidding me? Oh. That's a fair point. I mean, people have seen <laughs> Hoffa more often than they've seen you. And you're giving me crap like I don't go out. Brad, help me out because he's got me. 
He's right. <laughs> you were right, and then he was right. This is the rare stalemate on the show. You gotta Point, be, counterpoint. you got to be kidding me. All right, so the next texter wanted to know, he said, would you please continue well, your, your uh, food rankings of the Big 12? And they wanted something in the in Austin. So the barbecue place – oh, I'm a doggone pictures. Okay, all photos. Here I go. Uh, there's a barbecue place that was a life changer that I'll give you in Austin. Uh, we went there this year. It was right at the end of the season when we had that two-day deal. Didn't end too well for the world champion Mountaineers. The name of it is Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue. It's on a road. It's just an old country road. Valentina's. Go there when the world gets back to normal for a, for a deal. You know, or if you're in Austin, I mean, obviously barbecue, Tony, but you've done this too. Just go Tex-Mex. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely. Hey, three guys, hope your families are healthy. I know everyone has heard the news about Oscar. I can't help but be proud of him, but selfishly hope he stays. What's your top Oscar moment from the season? Got to be the dunk against Texas, right? Yes, mine. I think there there are those, I think just sometimes in the middle of a game where you saw him run the court. Yeah. Where you just saw all of a sudden he's out gone, there, right? And he's gone. He had that one. I can't remember the game now. Where it was? Did he have three offensive rebounds? Where he was just like a pogo stick? He had he had two shots off before anybody else even left the ground. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. That's a good. This is by the way. This was from Carmine, the traffic guy, out in the D.C. area. Sure. Uh, I'm sure traffic's pretty good right now, huh, Carmine? That was uh, the things. The, the Beltway Hoppy. Yeah. You bet you could spin right I bet around. You could there. Carmine? I hope yeah. you and your family are doing well. Uh, guys from Andy, I imagine all three of you have had the opportunity to meet and interact with some relatively big names throughout your respective careers. Who is the one person that you have had a personal interaction with that has left you the most star-struck? Thank you. Love the show. Mm. Who's who's unsettled you, Hoppy? Who, who's left you star-struck? Who is unsett- Boy, i got to think about that a minute. Probably took place in your house since you don't leave it. <laughs> Good, that was a good secondary shot there, Kurt. Uh, it was good. I, Game's go to, on go to Brad. Go to Brad. Or you, you, Tony, you've met a lot of people. I don't know. That's a hard one. I will say the first time after arriving here at West Virginia, the first time I got a voicemail message from Jerry West. Oh, my God. That was a nice moment. I played that about 150 times. I had to call in to get approval for a, a retro jersey we were doing. And so the, the first time I got a, a call back and a message from him was was neat. Mm-hmm. And the first time when I can I speak to Mr. West, please. Yeah, Brad Howe returning his call. That was kind of fun. That was that was a good one. My biggest miss. I'll give you a miss because that one sticks. Sometimes the losses stand out more than the wins. Yeah. Spent an afternoon in a in a room at a charity function watching a, a college basketball game with Ernie Banks. Wow. And oh. You know I'm a big Cubs fan. Yeah. That's huge. Didn't deal with him. What do you mean? I mean I talked to him for like 15 seconds. I didn't deal with him because also in the room was a guy by the name of Andre Tippett, yeah, who's yeah. an NFL Hall of Famer now, but at the time had just finished playing at the University of Iowa. So he, was, he hadn't even been drafted yet. I couldn't talk to Tippett more. Finally, my parents had to get, get, can I go talk to Mr. Banks? Oh, Mr. Banks. Banks, nice to meet you. Ernie Banks. So that was a big, big miss. Should have spent more time with Ernie Banks. Yeah. Uh, although Tippett was great. Tippett was wonderful, but Ernie Banks pretty pretty high up there. Tony, go to you because you've met a lot. You've met a lot. Of well, I, I think I've said this on the show before. First time I interviewed Jerry West, wigged me out. Huggins too. I said this before on the show. Huggins made me go like, uh, um, yeah. I'll tell you a guy that I just grew unbelievable respect for. Did you watch the email I sent you? 
the video I sent you today? No. Really super quick story. Early this week, I get a note from a guy who I know who is looking to help a friend who is looking to help a friend who is suffering from ALS. And they're trying to get some messages of encouragement on video. And they've got big name people to send this guy a message. And he showed me a couple of them. One was Mark Cuban. He said, can you help me get so-and-so? I couldn't help him get so-and-so, but I thought, you know what? Uh, Dave Pash, who used to work with us, is tight with Bill Walton. Oh, okay. So I reach out to, I reach out to Pash and I say, hey, looking at, do you think I get, well, he goes, here, here's Bill's email. Tell him I told you to call, you know, get in contact with him. He may or may not respond. I send Bill Walton an email. Within 15 minutes, he emails me back and says, absolutely. Tell me more about this dude. So I get some more information about the guy. I send Bill Walton the information. Don't hear anything for two days. Email last night. Wait, I opened up this morning. Bill Walton put together a three-plus-minute video that just left. Did you watch it? No, I haven't yet. It floored me. Really? Absolutely floored me. Wow. So I went like, wow. So there's my Bill Walton that's, story. That's a good story. Yeah. Absolutely floored I me. Can, I can't top that. Mine would be that uh, when George Bush was president, I got to know some of the people at the White House. Name drop again. And um, Oh, yeah. You went to the Christmas party I a couple times. I went to the White House Christmas party. The, the press, because they have a couple different ones. And this was for the press. So my wife and I show up. Naturally, I'm early. <laughs> like, get in the front of the line. Lucky you get out of the house. Uh, <laughs> and there, and it's the press. So all the press, all the biggest names in the press are there. And they're all behind me in the line because I got there super early, right? There's all like, my guy from ABC, guy from CBS, all behind me. I'm in the front line. And met Vic the, Ratner, hello. <laughs> met the president and the first lady very briefly. They, the Marines bring you in. They introduce you. And you shake hands. You stand there. You get a picture. You move on. It takes about, takes about 20 seconds once you get in there. But it's very nice. And then you go into the White House. And they got this. Tony, the food was, they had lamb chops. I would imagine. So I just love killing the lamb chops. <laughs> My wife's like, you know, behave yourself. Like, hey, man, these lamb chops are awesome. People serving you drinks. I'm having drinks and lamb chops. Carl Rove is standing over there, you know. And it was just, it was, it was a once in a lifetime moment. That's awesome. Plus, I got lamb chops. That was really good, man. I'd be crushing them White House lamb chops. <laughs> Who is that guy over there? You know? I would be crushing them lamb chops. That's good eating. Greg in Pittsburgh. Hello. Long-time listener, first-time question asker, just for fun, and please let me preface this with I love hugs, in all capital letters. Hope he coaches WV forever with that said. Uh-oh. Is this a but? That's a good, I mean, it's an interesting but. If you were sitting at Shane Lyons' desk and opened up the top drawer, who would be the three names of potential replacements written on the post-it note in case Hugs decides to pack it in. In other words, who are some of the young coaches out there? Shane is tracking similar to how he tracked Neil Brown's progression. Thanks and love the show. Good question. And I think I've addressed this as well on this show. That is one of the all-time most difficult, unanswerable questions at this moment. Because you say three, I got zero. Really? I got zero names. Now, I normally am pretty good. We do this a lot in football. Right, yeah, but he's pack. got names, but Shane's got names. Shane's got to have names, but I'm just saying there is no next man standing. You know, Don Nealon leaves, Rich Rodriguez was, boom, 
it was a done deal, right? And there is not that next guy. You agree or disagree? No, I agree. There's no there's no obvious successor at this point with a strong tie. I mean, that's that's obviously what you hope is that the next up and comer or a guy that's having success has a tie and he sits atop of the list. I would guess Shane has told us there's a list. I mean, every AD has a list that's continually changing and moving. You're constantly watching, but yet to your point, there there is not at this point an obvious one there. Tell me this. Sure. Assuming he has a list. Mm-hmm. Does he stay in touch in any way with those people or just not necessarily? No, it's just a list of guys you keep your eyes on. Okay. And I think his people, Shane's people, you know, are always gathering. Like when the Neil Brown thing came down, right? They said like, we've been watching, we've been looking. So I don't think you make any direct contact, but I think you continue to gather information. And so as you gather information, you think, hey, it might be this Kerchival guy. And as you get more and more information, sometimes your name stays there. And then other people's names, no, that, you know, he got a skeleton in his closet. That one's not coming. So I think it's fluid in that regard. Correct. Did you, pivoting here, did you hear the Neil Brown interview of my public affairs show? Uh, while I was shaving, I watched it. You Skyped him. I did. Yeah, it's very nice. That he was a big John Prine fan? Yes. Who passed away this week? Yes, and and said that he had because John Prine, even though I think he grew up in the Chicago area, right. but but was from Western Kentucky and wrote a lot about Western Kentucky and Appalachia. And he went to see him when he was in high school. He was such a big fan, and he sang that song about Muhlenberg County Paradise. Yes, so he had that story. And and this week he tweeted out that he was having a toast to the late John Prine, who died from coronavirus. Yes, he did. And I listened in the last. 12 hours, I've listened to three hours of John Prine. Have you really? Yes. He was. A, he's a great wordsmith. Oh, my gosh. Last night while I was cooking, uh, chicken, mushrooms, and rice came out wonderful. And this morning while walking, and then this morning while getting ready, I was listening to John Prine. What, the early stuff? or what? what were yeah, listening? everything and anything, and you're exactly right. Because I was, unfortunately, I was not familiar with him. I read the obit in the Washington Post, which was wonderfully yeah. written. And then I started listening to his words, and I'm going like, wow, that's good stuff. He has, um, he has a song about the Vietnam vet. There's a hole in Daddy's arm where all the money goes. Yes, you listen to that. I listened to that this morning. And yeah. on the Paradise, Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River where the Paradise rolls. I think he says, I'm sorry, my son. Too late in asking Mr. Peabody's coal train then hauled it away. Yep. And that's when and, – and Coach Brown said that's what he closed with because the show was on the Green River – in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, I, I direct your response to me, Hoppy. Uh, Brad doesn't listen to music. Hates music. Hates it. Hates not. Ben right in time. Charlotte. Hey, Tony, can you see if Chris Leonard's available to help Derek with his free throw shooting? Good to hear you uh, from on you on Reddit. By the way, yeah. I'm going to do one of these things on Reddit. You know, we have a Reddit thing. There's over 50 followers now on Reddit. We're on Reddit. Nice. Subreddit, whatever. Yeah. And I want to do an AMA. What's that? You know what that is? Ask me anything. Yeah. I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything, and then you knuckleheads are going to do an Ask Me Anything at some point, too. Now, you're a little busy Who right now. Who said that? I think so you Did should. you commit? Did we commit? Did you, you remember the team? Didn't commit. Want to turn your back on the team? Don't play that with me. I'm just asking. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do that in January, and you pretend the legislature is more important sure. than this. You can do it. I'll, I, you can ask me anything. Will you do one, Senator? Ask me anything? We'll see. <laughs> I like that. I'm doing one. Hey, but we're going to do one. I'll, I'll set the time. I'm work, working. Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan is the guy that coordinates. You know, because Brad is Tony. You're you're a pretty open book. 
I can be here. Brad is more of a closed, more of a closed quote. Okay, he's more of a closed quote. Gated community, yeah. Emotionally and also intellectually, he just kind of closed off. I mean, yeah, he is. I know the guy, but really I don't know. know the guy. Nah, he didn't know him. You don't know him. I'm yeah. not sure that's accurate. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's here's one thing to think about, folks. You don't think that? Ask him a personal question. Sometimes. Oh yeah, he's, he's yeah, I know. Totally with dodge him. it. You. You gave you a personal experience with Ernie Banks and Andre Tippett that watching a, the game. Th- that's a story. That's a story. That's not a, that is not a personal revelation about who you are. Thank that's you, a good story. Yeah, bust his ass. Good. Burdette Camping Center. We mentioned that. See, now he's sulking. <laughs> you know, here on the show, we try to promote the, the best of everything. And when it comes to the best managed IT services and the best managed voice services here in West Virginia, there is an elite dealer and only one elite dealer as voted on by ENX Magazine, the only dealer in the state of West Virginia to ever receive this honor, and that is Comax Business Systems. And they can monitor your IT 24-7 and give you the peace of mind to know that they've always got your networks back. So if you're in this world of business and now it's being stressed as never before, take a look at Comax Business Systems and what they can offer you to make sure that you stay on business and stay on task. Visit them at ComaxWV.com. That's ComaxWV.com. Did you, the other night, I think it was the night before last, the... um Cal Ripken game was on. Okay. Did you see that? I know Brad doesn't want to watch anything that's happened before. I was there live. <laughs> oh, you were? Mm-hmm. Well, when you, he broke you, Lou bra- you go. You, yeah. Then you tell the story. Before you taunt me there for not watching the replay of a game, I, I uh, was there live. <laughs> well, it's personal information. In that we, case, that's in that new case, for us because got, it's personal information. We didn't know that. We well, didn't know what that. were you going to say about the game? I just got trumped. I can't tell. I well, can't. No, no, no. You were there. I can't. Well, what was your point? Just the story's not even. The point was that. I'd forgotten that Bill Clinton came in the booth and was there for about two innings and just went, you know, and just talked and talked about riffing, baseball huh? and was kind of half doing the play-by-play. It was really good. <laughs> but you were that. there. Did you have a good seat? Uh, left field. Lower lower yeah. left field. That's a great field anyway. Yeah, it was, great. It was awesome. It, that was one of those just be yeah, in the, be be in the general. There. I would have been fine if I was outside Camden Yards, but There's just to be in the building was was awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a neat experience. Yeah. All right. He had a home run, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think they get? They think they served one up to him? Was that a Chris Leonard situation? Yeah. Was that? A, oh, was they, it? Do you think, you think they, he did? I don't know. What do you think? Did, he, did they groove one in for him? I don't remember. Would, the wouldn't you that. rather be the pitcher though that struck him out in that game? No. Oh, you want to be the one? That, I'd be okay. I'd be okay throwing a batting practice fastball there. Was that? Was it California or was it who would they play? The Angels or the? You don't recall that, Senator? I, I don't. Those don't. seats are really back in that field, I don't field, recall. Huh? Yeah. That's irrelevant. Right? Trivia question. Super special thanks to Chris Leonard for joining us on the program. This is 196 of our episodes. Senator, thank you. Learned a little bit more about you. Not really. Hoppy, glad that we beat you down and try to pretend like you're out there. Joe Public, he's, hate, he's hate just people. thrilled it turned on me and you there because he got off the ventriloquist. This program has been brought to us by was a Trump card. Comax Business Systems, your full service Konica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. Why, why, why don't you go to the thing where they spin the plates? Try to keep, try to keep those going. Fiber Debt Camping Center, the only warranty forever <laughs> RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at BurdettCamping.com. Or, um, what else? Just gymnasts. 
dog show and jumping through jumping through hoops. <laughs> dog. dog show jumping through. We're a Fido. It was a good oh, show. Uh, Fader's a good ventriloquist. Who is? That? I'm trying to find out who they played. Who they play? You don't even remember who they play. Honestly, I do not remember. Special thanks to our producer Daniel Woods for doing the deal. We'll be back again on Monday with something. Until then, be a good sport. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>